0: Hello and welcome to another instalment of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Gordon Chung, a fellow future trainee solicitor at Baker McKenzie and creator of resources for aspiring lawyers and commercial solicitors. In this episode, Gordon and I discuss our application journey, why we applied to Baker McKenzie, as well as some lessons that we've learned throughout the application process. Let's get into it. So hi, Gordon. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, given that um, as we record, I think this is the third time I've collaborated with you in the last week or something like that. Yeah, Um, I saw you pretty often recently, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, yeah, you're clearly not yet sick of talking to me, but... um, Yeah, I'm not, not. (laughs) We've obviously done a few things in the past, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to talk about some of those things today and to give a bit of an insight as to how we've gotten to this point but before we do that a nice little icebreaker question I'd like to ask Um, for those of you uh, listeners sort of haven't had the opportunity to read your content or know much about you what was your sort of reason for wanting to join the legal profession and what's your sort of background today?
1: well basically uh, for the reason why I joined the legal profession it could be a really long story as well (laughs) <laughs> because like uh, yeah, but because uh, it dates back to you know the time when I studied in Hong Kong because like when I was in high school, it's probably like you you got you gotta choose like you know a profession that you really want to work mm-hmm. in, but at that moment, you probably didn't really know what you want to do in life. For me, it's like mm-hmm. I was really interested in economics when I was in high school, and also I was uh, pretty interested in writing or English in general. So I feel like law is kind of like the middle ground. Like it's not too logical mm. like mathematics, but also not too artistic like English or lit- uh, literature, arts, for etc. So I think law will be a good middle mm-hmm. ground. That's why I chose law. And after that, I feel like the legal profession is like really huge discipline. There are so many different like uh, career paths as well, like barristers, solicitors, or even academia, etc. So during the mm-hmm. process, I was more like just you know trying all different sorts of things, work as research assistant, work as... Many people work at high street firms or even uh, work in like uh, commercial law firms. And later on, all those experiences just made me realize that commercial law is more for me because uh, during my undergraduate study, I did a lot of like uh, legal writing specifically on contract Mm -hmm. law and commercial law. So I felt like this area is what I'm really interested in, but i'm I'm not really like I don't really like academia that much compared to the you know practicing as a lawyer because especially mm. when I got into my master's degree in Cambridge, I did a lot of practical stuff because we were actually need to discuss the exact Sky and Fort Stilt, uh in 2018 and we work on the drafting of the deals. Uh, just like what a practical lawyer would do with our professor or another legal practitioners. So it was really intriguing. So that's why I feel like I think that commercially driven projects are even more exciting to me. So that's why I think commercial solicitor is kind of like the you know, perfect combination between law and commerce. So that is an area that I should devote my future career to at least in the early stage of my career. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's great and uh, if I saw that on an application I'd uh, I'd give you full marks <laughs> for the while <wide> <laughs> question. Yeah, probably it would be too long but like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, within the word count. Um and I guess speaking of applications we've we've both been through that process and ultimately um both future trainees at Bakers which is really exciting so um yeah. kind of one of the things I wanted to um kind of paint a picture for today was how you know, two trainees at the same firm can come from such different backgrounds and kind of have these similarities and these differences throughout the process in terms of, you know, their experiences and the lessons they've learned. So, um, you know, what was it like? Can you remember that first application that you sent off in the training contract process and kind of what was going through your mind versus, uh, you know, when you eventually got to the final one, the final stages with your Baker's application?
1: Well, I would say, Yeah, I think it was definitely different because the first application I sent out, to be very honest, especially is the first stage of my first time I sent out like law firm application in London specifically. And also Mm. at that time, I didn't know that much about the legal market. So when I sent out the application, basically, I was more like just, you know, try to apply to like the firm that I'm not I wasn't really sure whether I enjoyed working there. But compared to when I applied to Baker McKenzie, by that time, I already like went to almost like 10, 11 open days at different law firms. That was kind of crazy. So like I already mm. kind of have an understanding of the legal market. And i worked at some of the city law firms as paralegal for a while as well, kind of understand the legal market, the workplace farming. And I met a bunch of people from Bakers as well. So I felt like when I applied to Baker, I actually knew that I really wanted to work for a firm like that. Not only because of mm. its global presence or internationality, but also because of the diverse people I actually met in person and the diversity and inclusion that Bakers has been promoting in the past years. So I felt like that was the chance for me to actually got, get into the firm that I really wanted to work for. So I think that's why that was a big difference between, you know, the first time I applied uh, to a firm and also the time when I applied to Bakers specifically.
0: Mm. So you've hinted there in your answer the kind of importance of doing your research and really kind of getting a good understanding of who it is you're applying to and what they're all about. So, you know, a lot of candidates on an application form will always have that question when they're applying to any firm of why this law firm? Um, What were the kind of biggest steps and tips that you took to try to research firms effectively and understand them better and eventually write a better answer to that kind of question? I know you talked about open days, but what else there did you kind of try to employ?
1: Well, for me, I would say you really need to get to understand how the law firm makes profits or how they actually adopt their strategies to do so Mm -hmm. or to attract clients. Because Mm -hmm. for us, when we look at different law firms, they basically look the same on paper in terms of the kind of people they're recruiting. Like they would love to have diverse people or they would love to have, you know, people with a good, uh, a decent academic uh, performance like 2-1 or like all the things they are looking for are kind of similar. So you need to, dig deeper in terms of knowing about the firm's strategies. And one of the way mm. when I research for firms, I really love talking about uh, international strategy, because that's mm. also what actually di- distinguishes one firm from another. For example, Baker's McKin- uh Baker mckenzies they have this uh, Swiss variety model, which oh, mm. even though there are other firms adopting similar models like Danton, Northern Rose, Frubright, et cetera. But when I apply for Baker mckenzie I actually uh talk about this strategy they have been adopting in the past years and also i even name dropped a specific deal that actually do- that demonstrates that strategies i remember i mm-hmm. couldn't remember exactly the specific deal uh, i mentioned at that time but i remember <laughs> it's a deal yeah it's a deal that i uh, about like a collaboration between the japanese office and also the london office and in that particular deal, the clients prefers using Baker McKenzie because Baker McKenzie is able to provide one stop shop, uh, given its uh, strong Asian presence and its uh, strong London office as well, so that they can give the clients and handle all the disputes and the contract problems within one roof. So I think. Those are the things that can demonstrate their strategy in a more specific way. And it also shows your interest in the specific areas of law or the deal they are working on as well. So that is one of the way I show my interest uh, at Baker McKenzie and uh, do my research. And also, I realized, for example, uh, at that time, they have been talking about how they want to combine all the profit pools in different locations in Europe uh, together as well that also distinguish Mm -hmm. themselves from other firms that uh, purely adopts a Swiss variant model, which means they, the offices, they're trying to work more closely and uh, collaboratively rather than as separate offices in all different parts of the world, so that the collaborative culture can be fostered within Bakers compared to other firms adopting similar strategy. So I think those things can definitely uh, help you stand out in terms of your understanding of the firms uh, compared to other candidates. And also, I think it's good for you to discuss really more about your interests and also your specific personal journey that make Mm. baker mckenzie suits you the most because for me definitely the fact that i work in different countries i was originally from hong kong and i work in hong kong offices in other other law firms and also i tried i work in uh, like uk as well i work in italy as well all those international experiences contribute to the fact that i'm a diverse person i get along well with uh, diverse personalities And also, I know the work culture of different people from different backgrounds. That was uh, that is exactly what most international law firms nowadays, and specifically Baker McKenzie, is looking for. Given that one of their application questions is actually about diversity and inclusion, so I think you need to play along that strength and also pitch your uh, experiences to actually cater for the firm's needs and also show that how you will be better, you can be incorporated into the firm's culture perfectly given your experiences.
0: It's really interesting you say that and uh, you know, you've clearly drawn on your own experiences there of working internationally and kind of operating all these different countries and things. And for me, um, I approach the same question but in a different way in terms of talking about the kind of pro bono things that I'd done whilst at university, talking to people in my local community, getting involved in societies. I guess it just goes to show there's no real kind of like model perfect answer that, you know, any yeah, law firm is yeah. looking for in in their in their candidates, but rather taking your experiences and kind of applying them to whatever's been asked of you. Um, and that's a really great example there for the kind of diversity inclusion and the international approach that the firm has. Um, I mean, did you, did you get, have the chance to meet the firm at, you know, law firms and open days? I know you said that you had the opportunity to attend a few Was Baker McKenzie, one of them.
1: Yeah. I actually went to an open day at Baker McKenzie. And I remember that day I actually met some of like, there are people are really diverse and in, in, at the open day, you can see like people from different backgrounds and different, you know, uh, industry even some people they are like career changers so i think that's what intrigued me the most as well because the diversity not only about like whether you're from a different you know demographic like uh, geographically you know difference, mm. but also about uh, whether some people are actually from a completely different law and law background and they dedicate their career there for several years before joining law at, uh, you know, commercial law at Baker McKenzie. So I think it's that diversity that really intrigues me and I, yeah, I think that's why it's one of those open days that's, you know, make the most, uh, you know, like, like good impression to me, I would say. And in fact, like, you know, mm. I went to 10 open days. Only the water bottle at Baker McKenzie that I have kept it for a really long time as well. <laughs> That's how, like, even <laughs> though, yeah, when I attended the training contract uh, interview, I actually still using their walker bottle at that moment but although it didn't really affect my performance anyway but <laughs> yeah just saying
0: <laughs> <laughs> just demonstrating your enthusiasm even more <laughs> yeah
1: it was actually a coincidence but that that yeah i think i think it's important for you to actually join a firm that you're really passionate about so i'm pretty grateful for mm. that i think that's what other candidates or your listeners uh for this podcast should be aware of is whether you really want to join that firm because that actually affects how you perform in the interview whether you're passionate uh, Let's show your passion during the interview as well. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a message that gets really kind of underemphasized in the whole process is that, you know, training contracts, whilst they might not seem it at first, they really are a two way process in that. Yes, you know, you need to be um, kind of selling yourself to law firms and trying to, you know, make an impression. But at the same time, the law firm needs to make an impression on you. And it needs to be somewhere that you actually want to work and somewhere you want to con- contribute towards. And we kind of touched on it there about the kind of um, international elements that you know the firm might have or that the, their initiatives of diversity and inclusion as well as kind of being part of that. So we've talked a bit about this episode, about kind of like your motivations for joining Bakers and kind of like, you know, what was going into your training contract. Uh, applications at the time but um, one of the things I really wanted to ask you about was the fact that you know here we are two trainees um, future trainees at the same firm but we've come from such different backgrounds and I think at the same time that shows that we've had sort of really different experiences and really similar experiences at the same time so you know just as a quick question what were the kind of biggest lessons that you learned throughout the training contract application process that if someone here was listening was looking to apply you wouldn't want them to make those mistakes again well uh
1: yeah, that's a really good question actually because there are like actually mm. a bunch of lessons I actually learned from my experiences. And I would say one of those lessons, uh right now when I really think carefully about the entire journey, I would say mm. is that sometimes it's okay to fail at that particular application that you thought is your dream firm or something. Because I feel like uh, when I applied uh, for training contracts for example during my first round of application, I didn't actually know some firms that much in terms of I just want to get into this prestigious or like really good firms for the reason that like that's what I want to do. I thought that way. So that's why I applied to those firms. And when I felt, I felt like the end of the road. But it wasn't <clears> the case at all. Because right now when I think that uh, if those firms have offered me a training contract, I wouldn't have been happier than now when I got a training contract at a firm that I'm pretty sure that I'm really want to join. So I think mm. that's the key is when you get rejected by one firm. uh, It's okay, because actually something better is going to come. And this is true. And more often than not, even though that firm is like really your dream firm, you wouldn't lose But it's okay to fail at first because you could always apply to that particular firm again. And in the next time, Mm -hmm. you may know better about the legal market, know better about the firm. You're even more determined that that firm is your only choice. And you could definitely justify your option better uh, in the next round of application or interview. So I think every mistake is kind of like a blessing to you that you really need to value. And you need to learn from those mistakes all the time so that it will lead you to a better opportunity or offer because I remember and I've been spoken I've, I've been spoken this all the time actually like the first time I did my Watson Glacier test was terrible mm. I I it was uh, for one of those magic circle firms I, I I was so frustrated I didn't even know why I failed fail a test I never failed a test before in Asia <laughs> just say. but like yeah it was just weird like so that but after the second time and the third time I did the test, I did way better and I kind of knew what to expect. And the fourth time I took the test, I uh, I started nailing the test. And also for video interview as well. The first time I did it, I didn't know what to say. I, I was very awkward in front of the camera. Uh, it was mm. pretty like daunting as well. But the second and third time I did it, I did way better. And I remember at Baker McKenzie, like the process is like, Wasn't Glazer test, video interview, assessment center. But for all those mistakes I make for Watson Glazer test and video interviews for the first few times when I applied to different firms, I wouldn't have made it that easily at the Boston Glacier Trust and the video interview at Baker McKenzie. And I completely mm. nailed those two assessments pretty easily because of my previous mistakes and learned from those mistakes. So I think all those past mistakes actually contribute to you, like getting the offer that you really want in the future. So I think you need mm. to kind of appreciate all those mistakes you make and actually learn from those mistakes and move forward with the lessons you actually learned and improve your performance and the next interview at the ex at the next assessment center so i think for all those candidates because i i'm pretty sure like all of you probably get rejected at some point anyway like even though it could be one time or it can be a hundred times but it doesn't really matter as soon as you improve yourself and i realize that some people find it difficult to actually improve themselves because some firms they literally uh, don't give feedback if you don't even pass the application stage whatsoever which is understandable but i think what you need to do is you need to utilize what you could possibly you know just do whatever in your power to reach out to people to help i mean it's mm. yeah it's true like you, when you don't know anyone you basically you just sit here and you look at your rejection no one is going to help you because no one is going to actively help you anyway that's the case for most mm. people because for me for example as an international international student no one would suddenly like come to me and help me if I didn't ask for help in the first place, right? So mm. it makes sense. So what you need to do is I utilize LinkedIn, for example, to reach out to random people, 50, almost fifty random people on LinkedIn, and actually a few of them actually read my application and gave me extensive feedback, even though they never actually like did similar career service or mentoring service to others. They just did that because mm. I was really genuine and I was really I was craving for help from others because due to my position and due to my you know status as an international student so those people for those you you couldn't like find anyone I mean yeah that's a reason that maybe you're more and di- a more disadvantaged position but the thing is you couldn't just sit there you need to actively ask for help no matter how many times it is like you need to do that because those are the things that you can do in your power to increase your chance of success so I think that's the key lessons for some aspiring lawyer who lack the network of support is you still don't have an excuse to just sit there to do nothing you need to do something and it's better than doing nothing even though it may means that uh, even though those people may not necessarily help you but i think that's the mindset you need to have going through the whole journey because it's a long journey and it could take for months or for years for some people and you kind of need to take a more proactive
0: approach Uh, when it comes to the application process in London absolutely and I only echo what you said is you know even when I was just studying and living in the UK I think the the lesson learned was the same was that if you know you really want some help and you're really looking for advice you have to be proactive and getting out there and kind of looking for it and it was only once I started attending you know like firm-led events on my campus or just trying to speak to future trainees or just reading resources online to try and improve my applications that funnily enough my applications actually got better and (laughs) I tried to kind of practice my application theory and to you know my writing style and to try and kind of improve what I was saying on paper because um, you know I think there's a broader lesson in that you could be the best candidate in terms of your application Uh, experience and your academics and everything like that but if you don't convey it in the right way um, it's going to struggle to come across on paper what you really mean Um, and then ultimately the interview stages um, which I did want to ask you quickly about it's quite hard to go from having an application which is um, in some way vague or not well written and trying to sell that in an interview stage if you get there so um, when it came to your baker's interview do you remember kind of talking about your application and was it what you were expecting or was it slightly different?
1: Well, I think the Baker's interview is one of the most relaxed interviews I've had, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Because, uh, well, but I think it makes sense because, like, there's always this I would say distinction or rumor that, like, at U.S. law firms, the interview style tends to be more relaxed. At at U.K. law firms or Magic Circle firms or Silver Circle firms, the interview can is kind of more structural. I think there is a, some truth in it. But not necessarily a hundred percent truth, of course. But at Baker McKenzie's interview, I would say it's definitely so. Ah, uh, one of the most relaxed ones, and mm. I remember, ah, uh, especially the partner interviews and also the associate interviews. They ask a mm. lot of questions about my application form and my CV, rather than questions that are, you know, like competency space based question or like general commercial awareness or questions that try to test your knowledge, I think they really care a lot about your personality. I think that's also why I upset my training contract with Bakers very quickly because during the interview process, you can actually, you know, tell whether the firm or the interviewers actually care about you as a person rather than Mm. the things written on your CV. And particularly, I think during the partner interviews, they ask a lot of questions regarding my hobbies, what Mm. I've been doing in my academic life, because uh, I remember especially when it comes to questions like why law why commercial law why Baker McKenzie they ask a lot of questions that really you know pertain to my motive for working in London given mm. my background because uh, I work in so many places and study in so many places in the past so they really wonder whether I actually want to have a career in London because I could literally just yeah go to Hong Kong or like just practice in other jurisdiction. So they actually ask a lot of follow-up questions. Like for example, when I talk about, uh, uh, they asked me like, why London? Like, and I would just keep talking about my interests and talking about how London is like the main legal market with, uh, all the high end transactions and, uh, capital raising, etc. And also because of my background, I love living in a country or like staying in a country with, People with diverse background, and I would say in London, uh, for example, the internationality is really well established, and kind of people you end, re- interact with are really diverse. Mm. I would say that's the one of the most uh, important things for me, and at the workplace environment as well. And so that's why I I need to keep justifying why I want to stay at Baker McKenzie in London office specifically, and the partner is really interested in knowing that, and they even ask follow up questions like, what about like in the future, are you planning to like stay in London or you will go back to Hong Kong, they also ask for my future motive or future motivation as well. So I think during the process, I can tell the partners really care about what I want to do with the firm and what's my future aspiration and whether it actually fits uh, Baker McKenzie's, Uh, you know, a whole international vision and a culture, etc. And they also ask me a lot about my publication as well, because when I was mm-hmm. an undergraduate, I published some articles in contract law. They asked me about my publication interest in general, why I want to uh, why did I do that when I was an undergraduate student? And then they kept on asking about my interest specifically in the outer space as well because I published some uh, book chapters on outer space, which it was an intriguing uh, thing for them so that they really want to get to know me. And they even engage in like 15, 20 minutes of conversation with me, like who owns the moon, et cetera, that kind of conversation. And I find it really jo- enjoyable, you know, the whole process. So I feel like the process is such that I... You know the partners really want to get to know me as a person, not only a mechanical lawyer or someone who knows a lot yeah. about the law. So I think that's the key thing that you also need to look for, and you definitely need to, you know, prepare a lot about, uh, you know, you need to kind of reread your whole field application form and also your CV because they're gonna ask a lot of things about you if you apply specifically bakers, I think, because uh, that's what interests them in the first place. Sometimes. I think when H R interviewers, uh, they look at application at the application stage. If you have one or two specific hobbies that intrigue them, I think that will also make you pass. Like make them feel like you can actually, uh, you know, pa- um, get you past the application stage and get into the next stage because they want someone who is genuinely interesting, rather than someone who is mm. just good academically, you know, or like have a good grade or like have paralegal whatever experiences. Because because those experiences, basically most of the candidates have that specifically for training contract application, direct training contract application, because most of the direct training contract applicants, they really have substantial experiences. So what really distinguish you from other candidates is really your personality and how you pre- pitch yourself to the firm. So I think that's very important for many direct training contract applicants.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because that only mirrors what happened in my partner interview in and I think I kind of went in expecting it to be, you know, kind of really scary or intimidating and, um, you know, there was an element of that legal questioning and kind of relating to the case studies you say, but then I think what surprised me the most uh, in a nice way, was the fact that I think the last 20 minutes of my hour long interview was just talking about my hobbies, my interests, everything I was doing on an extracurricular level. And, you know, it was quite clear that they were genuinely interested in what I was saying and listening and kind of going back and forth. And I think it was that level of kind of interest in what I was doing that kind of demonstrated, as you say, that they're not looking for just someone who's a robotic lawyer who just knows what the letter of the law is, but instead is someone who is, you know, able to apply the law, someone who's getting engaged with other um, initiatives and opportunities, and someone who's going to be that good cultural fit as well. Most of this episode, uh, we haven't actually been able to touch on the fact that you are huge on LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> oh, well, oh, thanks, thank you for that, but I, I wouldn't say huge. I think I'm just more active and outspoken about the whole process, so people, they need to know more, yeah.
0: I wanted to have an opportunity to ask you about your kind of mentoring efforts of things that you've been doing online and in the digital space, um, and you know the fact that you've been trying to give back so much to people who are currently going through the process. Uh, when did that all kind of get started, and what was the, I guess, moment when you kind of thought oh, there's people listening here and I can try and, you know, teach some lessons that I've learned like we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, I would say, I think it traced back to the time when I passed the New York Bar or something back in October 2019, I would say like five months ago (laughs) or six months ago. I think at that time i just make a post about like how i was really grateful for this year of 2019 because i got the training contract i want and i also work hard on the new york bar examination and i actually passed the bar within that year which was amazing mm. for me so at first i didn't even expect anyone to like read this specifically it was more like for my personal like you know like like sharing of my like happy moments so that it's just like a social yeah. media thing for me like at that time honestly i wasn't expect anything but like after that post i remember so many people reached out for me for either like training contract application advice and or you know new york bar examination tips etc so i was overwhelmed by all those messages and i was really grateful for their kind words uh, to me as well so i treat every message really seriously and I try to reply to them with like sufficient information to actually help them with their you know mm. problems as well because I was kind of there you know in the past I need a lot I needed a lot of help from people as well and I asked for them and they gave them for me to me for free as well so I mean why not i'm I, I, I could just do the same thing to others as well I mean because like you know before my training course start I have some free time anyway which I could try to dedicate to a better course you know in terms of helping people. So I think that was a good moment. So that I kind of start posting, uh, fairly frequently, uh, and I felt like some many people can kind of resonate with my experiences and stories. And I bet that was the majority of the law students, uh, because we all kind of you know face rejections, but especially in a social media site like LinkedIn, we see all the mm-hmm. profiles and you know crazy achievements of people in law. And we just tend not to talk about our failures or rejections, which is mm-hmm. kind of sad because the moment when I post those things, the fact that so many people reach out to me and tell me their struggle shows that how, how, how often you know, people actually suppress their feelings of you know, the negative emotion so that they actually mm-hmm. need to even reach out to me to tell me their struggle because they just don't have the correct way of you know, expressing that sort of feeling. To other, maybe their peers, maybe because they're usually more competitive as a law student, so that they try not to show that side except to their maybe best friends or whatsoever, whosoever. So I think mm. it's just a good thing for me to do that. And what, as soon as I start doing that, and I start doing, I've I've been doing that for the past five months already. And so far, I think the reaction is like 99.9 percent positive. So that's why I think it's good. So. I think it's something that I should try to keep doing. Although I just want to also make clear that I'm definitely not someone who is like so, you know, so experienced in like training contract application or something. I wouldn't say that at all. Mm. I think I'm just one of those who are lucky and fortunate enough to actually make it in the process and get the training contract offer I wanted. So what I've been doing is not to give the perfect or the golden advice to anyone Mm. who, who aspires to be a lawyer. My only approach is to share my own experience. Some people may agree with this. Some people may disagree with it, which is completely fine with me. But as long as there's one person who finds my advice or my information useful, I think it's something that is worth celebrating because some people will find it useful. And definitely, I saw a lot of people who got inspired by my content. I'm really grateful for that. So I think as long as there is a group of audience listening to those stories and actually benefit from them, there's no reason for me to stop doing that. So I think I would try my best to keep doing that to that. Yeah. Just in case like some people may at least benefit from my experience.
0: So I know you've got the LPC coming up in September and obviously looking to join Baker's in, is it March, 2021 you are, or September?
1: Yeah, yeah it's March 2021 yeah.
0: Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Have you got any idea in terms of practice area or even what the LPC is going to be like, anything like that? What's your sort of future predictions at the moment?
1: Well, honestly, I'm really excited to meet uh, the cohort of my trainees at the LBC and then mm-hmm. join Baker McKenzie uh, as a trainee solicitor. I'm really looking forward to join uh, departments, possibly like employment is one of the biggest things in uh, at Baker's as well, and also mm-hmm. corporate and uh, private equity, uh, dispute resolution, etc. I think those areas are what I'm looking for. And but always you never know until you actually work in, you know, those departments. So I'm pretty open yeah. to any other practice area strings as well. But I'm really excited for that to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And the LPC, how are you feeling about it? <laughs>
1: yeah, it would be intense. I mean you're I guess you kinda know right now because yeah. you're working on it, but I think it should be a challenge but also a pretty you know, good experience because I'm going to like, you know, it's a good chance to be equipped with some practical knowledge as a commercial solicitor. So I think mm. I would definitely, you know, value this experience and see what I can learn from it and to be a better, you know, like it's a good starting point for me, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Practical is absolutely right. And it's a certainly a yeah. different beast from university, but um, I'm definitely. sure you'll get on fine and you'll do really, really well. <laughs> so um, just to wrap up, where can people learn go to learn more about you and to uh, yeah read and view all the content that you've been putting out?
1: well definitely if you guys are interested in my content or some of my personal experience regarding my law journey you could definitely check it out or check me out on linkedin uh mm-hmm. golden chong and also i have a youtube channel and you could basically search golden chong as well and you will definitely find some of my videos and those videos will be helpful for you guys if you apply for training contract or you study for the new york bar exam or just in general you're in law school and you want to learn some tips on how to do well in law school and I think mm-hmm. those videos will be helpful and definitely, uh, yeah. And also keep an eye on my future, like activities on LinkedIn, possibly. There may be some live stream with you as well, Harry. So yep. <laughs> those guys can check it out. And I think, yeah, basically my LinkedIn is definitely the biggest, easiest way
0: for you to reach out to me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Gordon. I, uh, I really, really appreciate <laughs> it. And, uh, <laughs> Thank like you I for say, inviting sure me. And i will pass yeah, our parcel will cross again soon enough. <laughs>
1: yeah definitely and it's my pleasure to be here and I definitely I'm sure that people will benefit from this podcast so keep it up as well Harry
0: (laughs) thank you alright talk soon talk soon thanks so much for listening to this episode of the more From law podcast if you enjoyed the episode and want to support the show please share it with your network and leave a review on the itunes store it's really appreciated if you want to stay up to date on the show follow and subscribe to the more From law podcast on your podcast platform of choice or follow me on instagram twitter and linkedin at the profile harry clark law see you in the next episode